Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Isaiah 41, there's a scripture that keeps coming to my mind. I feel like it's a word for someone today. So Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. I don't know what you're going through today, but I know this, man. God is for you, and he's not against you that we can bring every situation, everything to our great God who is worthy of all our praise. There are people in here that are discouraged or people in here that aren't discouraged. But I know this, that if you're feeling fear walking forward in life, it's not from God. And he's saying, don't be afraid. That's the number one command in the whole Bible. 366 times is don't be afraid. It's one for every day of the year and one for leap year. Don't be afraid for God is with you and he is for you. Father, we love you and we praise your name because you are with us. You are for us. And Lord, if you are for us, what can be against us? No cancer can be against us. Lord Jesus, no depression can be against us. Lord God, no anxiety can be against us. No demon of hell can be against us because you are victorious, because you are great. Lord, I thank you because you keep your word. I thank you that you're a mighty God. I thank you, Father, that you love your church and that you're coming back soon. I thank you, Jesus. I praise your name. I praise your name. I praise your name. Let's just give it up for Jesus in the house today. Lord, we praise you, we praise you, we praise you. Let's just, let's praise him like he's won the victory. Let's praise him like he healed you of cancer. Thank you, Jesus. Man, it's so cool. This morning, I got a testimony that I just gotta share. Uh, I, I'm, I'm gonna share a testimony. You guys can be seated. Um, I, I, I love testimonies because they're good for us. We need to hear them. Testimonies, the word testify in the Old Testament means do it again with the same power and authority. Do it again with the, so when we hear testimonies, our response to a testimony should be expectation. It should be expectation that God is gonna do it again with the same power power and authority. If he healed that person of cancer, sometimes in the church, what we do with testimonies is like, oh man, I'm so excited that God did that for them. But then we don't think he could do it for us. But the point of a testimony is for us to hear them and say, oh man, if God did it for them, I'm next. (laughs) And this morning, man, uh, we had a a, a prayer need come in a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday night. And I'm going to tell you a story and you're going to think I'm crazy and I don't care. Because it's the reality of what happened. That night, Miss um, Maria shared a prayer need. And she had testing this last Monday. She has some testing tomorrow, but it's going to come back good. It is. And, and as she was sharing her prayer need, I, I, I felt faith rise in me. I don't know how else to say it. I felt this expectation rise in me like God's about to heal her. I just knew it. And so I went over there, and like uh, Miss Maria uh, is from my mom's generation, so I know this, that you don't touch hair. Um, <laughs> but I feel like I need to lay my hands on her head. So at first, I just touched her hair, and, and the Lord said, put your hand on her head. And I, I swear, I've never felt this before, ever, ever when I prayed. And, and I, I touched her head and this, like, it was like a cold fire went out my head, down my hand and out into her. And I thought, what just happened? Cause I've never, I'm, dude, I grew up Pentecostal. I mean, some of you guys are Baptist, some of you guys are Baptist, some of you guys, like, what is he talking about? Like, I'm telling you, this was new for me. And I grew up Pentecostal. 
And um, I thought, what just happened? And I didn't say anything uh, until like a couple days later. I told Amy about it. I said, dude, I, I, that, that happened. And then she shook. And I, I think God healed her. And then, you know, I think it was the next Sunday. I said, I got to tell you this. And she goes, dude, when you touched my head, I felt something hit me. And I was like, whoa, I should have told her that that night. But, and then come to find out, she got a good report from the doctor. She doesn't have to go through the treatments that um, they thought she was going to have to go through some dialysis. They said, no, you don't even need it. Come on. Jesus is good. Jesus is good. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that good? God is so good. And if he did it for her, he can do it for you. If he can show up in her life, he can show up in yours. Man. Where were we? God is good. Oh, yeah. We are launching into a series this week called Church in Crisis. And we're going to walk through the book of 1 Corinthians. And this is a correctional letter. And it's not because I feel like I need to correct this particular body of Christ. But I believe that the body of Christ needs to see this. And we need, as the body, to be willing to correct the body. When you have... When you have a boo-boo on your knee, your hands fix it, right? When I, when I fracture my ankle, my hands wrap the ankle. The body took care of the body, and, and I, I believe that this is going to be eye-opening because right now, our church in the United States, it's, it's being attacked, and the gates of hell is not going to prevail. I'm not worried about the enemy overcoming the church. That's not going to happen. We have a really good husband. His name's Jesus Christ. He won the victory. I'm not worried about that. We're the bride of Christ. But there are churches, there are churches in the, in the United States that have walked away completely from God. And we need to shine so bright that we are able to hopefully address people who have walked away from God, hopefully, and bring them back to God, but in the process, stand on the word of God. With all that said, I'm going to tell you a joke. It, I told you, it's a filthy habit, and um, this one I got, I, I love, it's a biblical joke. Why did... Why did God choose to make Adam first and not Eve? He didn't want the feedback. <laughs> I know, it's, it's silly. She would have made a lot of recommendations. Lord, just put in him a, just a natural ability to want a vacuum and... To do dishes and stuff. No, no. I'm, I'm sorry. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Pastor Andy told me that his doctor the other day asked him if he normally wakes up grumpy in the morning, and he said, "No, I normally let her sleep." <laughs> I, I I would never say that about my wife. <laughs> but I don't mind saying about about his. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. You can't say. No, uh, we are blessed, Andy and I. We are so blessed to be alive. Um, <laughs> it's so true. Um, if you're going to marry young men that aren't married, I got to tell you, marry out of your league. That's what I did. And uh, thus far, it's worked out. I only have minor bruising. <laughs> Stop. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm very blessed. Uh, we're jumping into 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. And this letter is to a fractured church. 
is to a church in crisis, and the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to correct them and love them and give them hope. And, and the thing is, this is proof that God loves his church because he loves us enough to tell us truth. If you're not willing to tell people truth, then you don't love them. And this section of scripture, if you read these first nine verses, you would think that this is one of the most encouraging letters in the New Testament. And quite frankly, it's one of the most weighty letters in the New Testament because of everything that Paul has to do in this letter to course correct what's happening in the church. And um, it, this, these first nine verses speak to identity. It speaks to God's power empowering us and it speaks to him sustaining our faith and strength and our salvation and like come on who doesn't want to hear that and he's writing all this knowing what's in the letter this is a long letter it's several chapters and and he knows that in this letter he's going to have to address people flocking to a preacher over Jesus right out the gate he's going to start addressing this in chapter one and, and he knows that he, in this letter later, he's going to tell the church to expel the immoral brother. There is this guy who was not showing any repentance, and he was having an affair with his stepmom. And he, Paul says, even pagans and sinners don't do that type of immorality. Kick that guy out of the church. Well, I thought all churches are supposed to be welcoming and, and everything. And what, but the, when you read that, you're like, oh my gosh, that's hard. But what he's getting at is hopefully because that guy's not repentant at all, he doesn't want to change his ways. He literally says, hand him over to Satan. Like, what? What? Like, that, that's in the Bible? And he says, in hopes that he might repent. Everything God does is to bring us back to repentance. Even when he hands us over to our own bad decisions for a while. Man, this is a weighty letter. And then he has to address some other stuff going on. Man, like the church in Corinth is a wreck. They're, like there's such division in the church. Not only are they divided on over who they... Some follow Peter, some follow Apollo, some follow Paul. And he's like... Forget all that. We follow Jesus. And then, then they're like, they're inbiting and crossbiting. They're suing one another. He did this wrong to me. He did this. And he's like, are you joking? The church was a wreck. Luckily for us in the United States, the church isn't. That was sarcasm. But there's hope. There's hope when we humble ourselves before the Lord and receive words of correction. Because we can have, there's some people that think they're following Jesus and they've, they, they've thought wrong for so long that it, they think it's right. I remember one time my back was out for about a year, and I just compensated. And I would, I, it changed the way I walked. And, if, and, and finally, I was at college, and um, I, I got home for the summer. I was able to get on a chiropractic plan, and they popped my back into place. And let me tell you, it hurt so bad because it was so far out of place. And... And I was able to walk normal again, but it felt weird because I was, I, I, I was out of place for so long that it felt right. And that can happen in our walk with God. We can think something is right for so long, even though it's wrong, we think it's right. And Paul steps in here through, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and corrects it, and it's in here for us. So let's get into it. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 through 9. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus from our brother and from our brother Sothenesis. I don't know. It's, it's Greek, and it's all Greek to me. Um, 
That guy didn't have a lisp. Um, or if he did, all his friends hated him. Um, stop it. So, verse 2. I am writing to God's church in Corinth, to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. Like, like do you hear this? I am writing to God's church in Corinth, to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and our Christ. Verse 3. May, our God, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I always thank my God for you and for his gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Through him, God has enriched your church in every way with all your eloquent words and all your knowledge. This confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of Christ Jesus. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says. Someone just needs to stop and say that with me. God is faithful to do what he says. Mm, let's do it again. God is faithful to do what he says. And he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So I'm going to try to do something real quick. I want to look at three biblical truths that he spoke over the church. Whenever we read the Bible, though, it is so tempting, especially when we read epistles. Epistles is a Greek word for letter. Like, this is a letter to the church in Corinth. The book of Romans is a letter to the church in Rome. The book of Galatians is a letter to the church in Galatia. And um, so on. There's a lot of letters in the church, or in the New Testament. And whenever we read the Bible, especially letters, we so often put ourselves on the receiving end of it, like the letter was written to us. And that's not true. When Paul wrote this, he wasn't thinking about you. He was thinking about the church in Corinth. The Holy Spirit was thinking about you, so the letter's not to us, but it is for us. And so what we have to do is we have to look at the biblical truths and that's what applies to us. Because there's cultural things here that don't apply to your life anymore. Because we don't live 2,000 years ago. But there are biblical truths that, that when you look at the scope of the whole Bible, the truth never changes. If God said it was wrong here, he doesn't change his mind once. Throughout the whole Bible. And, and people will argue that, but it's... The, the reality is God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If God says this is okay here, it's usually okay for the whole Bible. And so what we have to do is we have to look at Scripture, realize it's to an audience 2,000 years ago. Then we have to take and say, okay, what are the biblical principles and truths that are timeless, that apply to us? And the cool thing is also is we can actually look at it from the author's point of view. So we can look at it, why is Paul writing this letter? What is he saying to the church? So often we associate with the, with the intended audience and we throw ourselves in like, oh, this is a letter directly to me. And we actually had the benefit of saying, I can have a bird's eye view here and say, why was Paul writing it? What was Paul doing when he was doing this? And what's the principle we could pull from what Paul was trying to do? Because Paul was doing something here that is so important in how we interact with the world and how we interact with each other. And it's called putting change in your pocket. Put change in your pocket. Does anyone know what that means? Okay, good. I'm going to explain it. It's not a theological term, but we, we hear it a lot in ministry. 
putting change in your pocket is when you speak into people's life over the course of time and you, and you build that relationship, like you are amazing, you are beautiful, you are strong, and you just you build that over the course of time. You, you're dependable to them. You show up. You love them. You serve them. That's it's not always words. It's action, too. You serve them. is putting change in your pocket. And in marriage, this is a really good marriage tip. Put change in your pocket in, in, in your marriage. That means you go out of your way to serve your spouse. You go out of your way to love your, uh, your spouse. Or even with, with children, you go out of your way to build that relationship. So guess what? Especially as a dad of littles, I have to make withdrawals sometimes. A withdrawal is, Sky, come here. We need, you, we need to go talk. Hey, what you did was wrong, and I have to correct her. That's making a withdrawal from that relational change that I built. But because the other, the other day, um, I don't know where you stand on things, and quite frankly, I don't care. Um, when it comes to my parenting, but I'm a I'm an advocate for a good old fashioned butt whoopings, and I, you can't say that on the internet. You know what? Like the Bible is very the Bible's my standard, and it says that if you don't discipline your children, you hate them. And even in Proverbs, it says, "Spare the rod, spoil the child." And so, like there is a line. I, I use timeouts. I use I, I take things away. Like there is a line. They they grow to the point of butt whooping. It's not straight to butt whooping. But the other day, she crossed that line. Crossing that line is, well, she straight up yelled and growled at her mom. Like, pastor's kids do that? They do. They, they do. Like, she, she's amazing. My daughter is absolutely so smart, and she's so amazing. She's so gifted. But she also is a miniature version of me and mainly her mom. And, um, and she has a beautiful, I, I pray, you know, so funny, I prayed over her, Lord, make her a leader. And he is, and she's trying to lead us, and that doesn't work. And, um, and so I said, Sky, I have to talk to you. And we came in and sat down. She knew it was coming. I said, sis, why am I doing this? I yelled at mom. Like I yelled at her and I growled at her, and like she's like ah, you know, like I'm like nope, that's just not gonna fly. That that that's defiant. That's just not gonna happen. Like that's my wife. Only I get no explain. Um, <laughs> no, but I set her down and I spanked her butt, and um. I'm so soft compared to my mom. My mom, when she spanked us, it was like, she had a motto. I spank till they're sorry, not spank till they're mad. I begged my mom, mom, please let dad spank me, please. Um, but um, I got done, and, um, you know, just letting her process and everything. And I said, sis, you know I love you. She goes, I know you love me, dad. And she just came up and gave me the biggest hug. And I was able to discipline her. And her still love me, and it didn't hurt our relationship. If anything, it strengthened it because I love her. And when you put change, when when you have change in your pocket, if all I did was spank the sky's butt, there would be nothing to draw from. And when I say, "Hey, you know what? I love you," says, "No, you don't." That's how she would, how how she would act. So as we walk in life, we got to start putting change in our pocket with our neighbors. With, with our coworkers, with our family, with our spouse, we, um, with the church, we put change in our pocket. And that's what Paul's doing here. He's putting change in his pocket. What, but what, how is he putting, how, how we put change in our pocket relationally matters. Because how Paul puts change in his pocket, because he's about to make a huge withdrawal. He's about to make a huge withdrawal with the church. Because he has to tell them, you should be ashamed of yourself for what you've allowed. He's about to spank their butts, so to speak. Because they've allowed immoral acts. They've allowed um, division. They've allowed so much. And he's going to have to make withdrawals. But he wants them to know, first and foremost, I love you. 
I care for you. God loves you, and he has a purpose and a plan and an identity for you. And so how we make change in our pockets matters. So there's three truths that I want to talk to you about that we can use to, to put change in our pockets relationally, especially now and as our culture is going off the rails sideways. We need to have change in our pockets so we can speak truth to people. He's, he, he leads with speaking these three truths. I'm going to read them real quick and we're going to break them down. It is God who gives identity. That is the truth. He speaks to the identity that God gave them. The second thing he speaks to, and this is truth, it is God who empowers his church with what they need. He speaks to that. And then he speaks, it is God who sustains and, and gives freedom because he keeps his word. He speaks those three truths over his church. And because he points them back to the goodness of God, he speaks truth. And, and here's the thing. Those truths are easy to hear. You've been made holy. Like if I, if I were to tell you, you've been made holy in Christ. You're completely righteous. God loves you and he's sustaining you to walk with him. And he's going to empower you to do his will. Is that hard to hear or easy to hear? That's really easy. In fact, that's encouraging. Thank you. You have to be able to, you have to have a lifetime of speaking those truths so later you can speak hard truths. Those truths allow you to speak hard truths, and they're both loving. If you're not willing to speak hard truths to people, you don't love people. In fact, I would argue that it's the hard truths that prove that you love them. I could say you're awesome all day. That could be true. But it doesn't cost me anything. But to speak a hard truth to you, it takes change out of my pocket. It costs me something to give back to you because I love you. Because I know that if I speak this hard truth, it might alter our relationship. Just because it might alter our relationship, it doesn't mean I shouldn't say it. And we're to the point in our culture that we can't just go to church and keep our mouth shut. So let's break down the first truth. It is God who gives identity. Paul, right out the gate, speaks this truth over the church. Maybe you're here and you're wondering about your identity. If you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, God has made you holy and righteous. Your identity is set. It is he that gives you identity. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't, that, that doesn't matter when it comes to your identity. God sees you as a son or a daughter. God sees you holy when you are in Christ. Paul wrote this knowing that he's about to have to drop some big hammers on them. But it doesn't change this truth. Regardless, this truth is still truth. It's God who gives you identity. <clears throat> right out the gate, he says, To you who have been called by God to be his own pe holy people. You've been called by God to be his own holy people. That's the truth for us. He made you holy. That's not, that's not like he's making you holy. You are holy because of Jesus Christ. That's your identity. It's all on Jesus. Paul can honestly and confidently speak this truth over the Corinthian church because it is God who does it. It's not based on the Corinthians church, whether they're, they're clinging to the preacher Apollos or the apostle Peter or the apostle Paul. It doesn't matter. God made them holy. So they've, they've had some rough bouts. They've had some people make some really dumb decisions and they're, they're not taking the right course of action early on to fix it. God still made them holy. So there's some fighting. What brother and sister hasn't fought? I'm lucky to be alive because my sisters are five and six years older than me because we fought all the time growing up. Now we get along and they just hang up on me. So it's like, 
but it didn't change their identity. Some of us have a hard time with this because we still identify as our old self. You know, when Amy and I got married, Amy's identity changed. She went from Amy, Renee, Longenecker, Arl, to Amy, Renee, Tatham. When she married me, she became Art. <laughs> it's true. Amy, Renee, Tatham. But, you know, she was Amy Longenecker for 27 years. That was her identity. It probably didn't become habit until like a year later or longer that, I, I, if I recall right, man, we were married for five years and she signed a check once and she goes, I just wrote Amy Longenecker. That old identity would pop up every now and then. But when we first got married, she would, like, she would constantly write Amy Longenecker on stuff. But just because she wrote Amy Longenecker on stuff, did that change the fact that her name was Amy Tatham? No, it didn't. It, and and, and that, that's sometimes what, what happens with us. We get born again and we start serving Jesus and then we, we think of ourselves as our old self. But God doesn't see us that way anymore. He sees us as the new creation that we are, so we got to quit identifying, quit living in the past as our old self, because you don't get to dictate your identity. Just because she wrote Amy Longenecker on stuff or signed things as Amy Longenecker, when we got married, she was no longer Amy Longenecker. She was Amy Tatham. Her identity changed. Her license changed. Her passport changed. All of it was with her passport. They typed, stamped, void. Her license, they stamped void. It was no longer valid. And that's what happens when we're in Christ. So we got to quit identifying the old way because it is God who dictates our identity when we put our faith in Jesus. And the same thing is true. You know, we're about to go into 2024, which is mind-blowing. Like, I thought we were still in 2022, right? What happened to that year? Like... Who else, like, thought 2022 went... <laughs> the other day, I was like, I literally asked Amy, are we in 2022 or 2023? Like, she's like, 2023, Ryan, it's August. I'm like... S-. But point proven, how many of you guys, when you write stuff at the beginning of the year, they, you write the wrong date, and you only do that for eight months? And by the time, and by the time you get used to writing the current date down... The stinking year changes again. Some of us have got to stop living in the past. Your old self is gone. You're a new creation in Christ. It is God who sets your identity. It is God, that, and that's a truth that Paul could confidently say because it's on God. It is God who empowers his church with what we need. The second truth that Paul speaks to the church is the fact that God has empowered them with everything they need to live a holy life. What do I mean? The same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. The Holy Spirit lives in you, and he empowers you to say no to sin. He empowers you to say yes to obedience and walking in righteousness. He walks with you. He doesn't force you to do anything, but he gives you the power to say, you know what, I don't want that anymore. Or to walk away from a decision that would cause pain. He empowers you. Everything we need. And Paul can confidently say this and honestly say this. Because it's on God. It's God who does it. And on top of that, he gives us gifts to help one another. And it's the Holy Spirit that gives gifts to the church to, for edification and to build each other up. Maybe the Lord's in, He's going to give us a gift of knowledge where um, a gift of knowledge is like you walk up to someone and they just read your mail like they know your thoughts almost is because the Holy Spirit told them and it's to build you up because there was one time I was walking downtown and there was this lady um, right outside the coffee shop and and I was walking with the family and I was like, this is about to be a long conversation. I was like, Ames, just get the kids in the car. And 
Uh, but the Lord told me she was going to commit suicide. Well, I told her that. She, her eyes just popped open, and she was like, how did you know that? I said, the Lord told me, which confused her even more. But then I got to share the gospel, and then she got saved. And it's because God gives words of knowledge. God gives, and those are gifts. God gives, God gives gifts to the church to edify and build each other up. And Paul can confidently and honestly say this to the church. Like, hey, you've been given this. He's empowering you, even though you're doing some really stupid, shady stuff. This is true. This is, this is a truth that I'm going to speak over you. And the, and, and the last truth is, it is God who sustains strength and freedom because he keeps his word. You don't have to work for strength with God. You just have to stand in his strength. Like, i got to be strong in the Lord. You do have to be strong in the Lord. It's his strength. It's not our strength. It's God who sustains it. It's God who gives the freedom. And Paul could honestly and confidently say this to a church who's making some really dumb decisions. Because it's truth. And it's life-giving. And we need to be reminded, hey, I, I don't contribute to my freedom. My decisions before Christ were, I'm going to sin this way or I'm going to sin this way. But now Christ says, hey, you know, you can choose righteousness. You, can, you don't have to do that. And, and he's the one that sustains that. I don't have to work for it. I don't have to try harder. It's on him. I think that sometimes when we walk with God, we can feel beat up. We could feel tore down. We could feel weary and ragged. And you're like, oh, this season just keeps going. And, and my question would be this. Are we returning to the source of our strength and freedom regularly? Because if you're feeling beat up, if you're feeling ragged, it, and, and if you're feeling like worn out in your walk with the Lord, it's not because God isn't strengthening you. In fact, it's probably only because of God you've made it this far. What I would challenge you to do in this is to stop trying harder and just go to Jesus how do you go to Jesus? Well, I could tell you when I feel beat up, worn out, ragged, and I literally tell them, God, I feel beat up, worn out, ragged. I can't go on anymore. I, 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 I'm trying. So I just tell him what I'm going through. And he reminds me, he's like, I've never called you to live like that. Come to me. All you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you peace. He's always called us to come to him. It's not a one and done thing upon salvation. You'll never struggle. You'll never, you'll never worry about your strength as a Christian. No, it's you go back to him. You get renewed. You get renewed. You get re-strengthened. How many times a day do you eat? Honestly, on average, probably two to three. Yeah. Two to three day, times a day you eat. Why? To renew your strength. So you can keep going. So you can function. But what we, do in, what we do in Christianity is we think we have to sustain it and then we fill up on other things that can't give us any nutrition. It's like trying to go run a marathon and only eating Twinkies. It, you're going to throw up because it won't sustain you. You need protein in your muscles. You need, you need the proper nutrition. And, and some of us in our walk with God, we treat Sunday morning as, hey, Sunday morning is where I get filled up. Man, I'm telling you, tomorrow or even maybe tonight, this message might only fill you up till you get to the lunch line. If this, if, I tell you what, let's do a challenge. This is a great weight loss challenge too. Um. <laughs> Try it physically. Only eat once a week. 
See how long you can sustain that without passing out, without feeling weary, without feeling weak, without feeling like you can't make it. I don't know, maybe two days? I've gone 11 days without eating one time. That was the worst time of my life. No, we come back to the source. It's God who sustains freedom. It's God who sustains strength. How do we do that? We go back to him. We go back to him in worship. We go back to him. Not, worship is everything we do. It's not just singing songs on a Sunday morning. It's not just a genre of music. Everything is worship before the Lord. And we worship him through our prayer time. We worship him through our devotions in his word. We worship him in silence. Sometimes we've got to learn to play the pause. The pause in music is just as important as the note in music. We play the pause. We meditate. We listen. We go back to the Father. Let him sustain us. It is God who sustains strength and freedom because he keeps his word. He will, he will strengthen you when you do it because he keeps his word. Paul could honestly and confidently speak this over the Corinthian church. So what do all these things have in common? What, what, what is, it is God who gives identity. It is God who empowers the church with what we need. It is God who sustains strength and freedom because he keeps his word. What, what, what do all these have in common? God. It is God. It's on God. It's all by God. It's all through God. It's not on us. What else do they have in common? You guys might not get this part. It's Paul putting change in his pocket. He's speaking truth over the church that's easy to hear because he's about to make some withdrawals. So what's the takeaway? This, this is probably, I, I, pray, I pray this is so practical that we walk out of here like, like naturally just wanting to do this. Because sometimes I, like, I want people to apply the word of God to their life but sometimes it's not as practical to apply to our life, but everyone can put change in their pocket. It's so easy to do. So the takeaway, and there's a lot of takeaways. Maybe you guys need to hear, you know, my identity is in Christ. Maybe you need to hear that God's empowering you. I, pr I pray that ministers to you. But for me, what's so applicable here is we have to put change in our pockets in today's culture. We have to be speaking words of life, serving our neighbor, so we can speak hard truths to them. It's not just, the point of changing the pocket is so you can make withdrawals. You can't make a withdrawal on an empty bank account, because no one will listen. I can't, my wife can't speak things that I might not want to hear to me if she didn't build me up. I love you guys. I love you a lot. And the church, we, we, can't, we can't not, I don't know if that's right, we, we're to the point where we have to say hard truths. Our society is going sideways. We can't ignore things anymore. It's getting so demonic. It's not just that it's wrong it's so blatantly demonic and we're on the church we we the church are in the world to counter darkness we are a light on a hill we are salt to the earth salt's put in wounds so they can heal but it burns the world is wounded with sin and it's so blatant right now. We, we can't just say Jesus loves you anymore. We need to say that, put change in our pocket, but we also have to take the conversation further like Paul's about to in this book. And, it's not, and here's the thing, it's not just with the world. It's with the church. If we can't address each other in love 
and speak hard truths to each other, what hope does the world have? We are living in a society that is constantly virtue signaling and pandering to people. All they're doing is telling people what they want to hear. Oh, if you want to... We're telling five-year-olds that don't even know really what gender is. If you ask, if you ask my son, what, what is a girl? He's like, I don't know, sissy. He just knows that she's different. You ask a little girl that's five, what is a boy? I don't know. Like, it's just different. I know that when I grew up, when I was little, my favorite movie was Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. I had two sisters. Like, I was surrounded by girl stuff. And my parents allowed me to play with my sisters and, and everything, and, and I played with them. But my dad reminded me that I'm a man. And as parents... That's our role. We, we have states that are passing legislation right now that is making it illegal for a parent to tell their child no when it comes to gender roles. And we're allowing five-year-olds and children that do not need to make any life-altering decisions, make decisions over their own well-being. That's demonic. And we've got to have change in our pocket so we can speak some hard truths. And the thing is, it's not just the world. It's people who are claiming to be Christian. But here's the thing. It, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, if you deny Christ, you are not a Christian. And when you deny the word of God, you are not a follower of God. That's a hard truth. I know that. I'm so sorry if that offends you. That's not my heart. I love every person. But we cannot ignore this stuff anymore. We've got to stand. And we've got to speak truth in love. And the way we do it is we, bit, we, we put change in our pocket. We let people know. By putting change in your pocket, what are you doing you, you are telling people, God loves you, and I love you. But I need you to hear me on this. It allows you to speak to them because they know your heart. You're not out there trying to combat people. You're not out there trying to debate people. You're, you're out there trying to speak truth because you love them, even if it's hard to hear because let me tell you, the enemy's not going to hold back. If you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. And he's trying to take a whole generation from us. And it's the church's responsibility to course correct the church. And Paul is doing that here. And he leads with putting change in his pocket. God puts your identity on you. God doesn't make mistakes when he created you. It's God who sustains you. It's God who gives you strength and freedom. Speaking God's truth over people that's easy to hear will put change in your pocket. Going out of your way to be Christ to your neighbor will put change in your pocket. You're not doing it for that. Don't, don't get me wrong. This is not manipulation. If you're, if you're like, well, i got to go put change in my pocket, I'm going to... No, you serve people because that's what Christ would do. We want to be like Jesus, but when you act like Jesus to the, to the world and to your brothers and sisters in Christ, it's just going to load your pockets up. So one day, when you do have to say something hard, you have a resource to draw from, and they know that you care for them, they know that you love them, and they know that you have their best interest in heart. It's hard. But our society, much like the Corinthian church, is making really foolish decisions that we can't ignore. I know that the Apostle Paul probably didn't want to write this letter to them. If he's anything like me, I want people to like me. I love, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a people pleaser. 
I have a hard time telling people no. And everyone's like, he has a hard time. He has a truck. I need help moving this. I'm like, <laughs> I, I have a hard time telling people no. I want people to like me. And sometimes I have a hard time speaking this. And even today, I was wrestling with this. But I love you too much, and I want the church to be equipped. I want us to be equipped to go out into the world, and how we engage with the world is so important. They don't just need to hear what we're against. They need to know that God loves them. They need to know that God has hope and, and direction for them. They need to know that. He, that God doesn't save us for this world. He wants eternity with them. They need to know that. But if we don't have any change in our pocket, they won't listen. If all they're seeing is Christians picketing, I'm against this. You suck. They're never going to listen to the most hope-filled message that's ever walked the face of the earth, and his name is Jesus Christ. They're never going to accept him because all they're seeing is what, what we're against. No, we put change in our pockets so we can speak hard truths to the church and to the world. Paul wrote this letter not to the world. He wrote it to the church. And when we have whole denominations going off sideways, someone has to speak up and say, that's wrong and demonic, and you're not of Christ, but you can repent. Well, that just seems so harsh. It is harsh. But the point is repentance, because God loves them, and he's not done with any person. If there's still breath in your lungs, God's not done. And the enemy is trying to deceive a whole generation because he knows what God can do through a generation. He knows what God can do to this world with one generation. And I believe this coming generation is going to be used by God more than any other generation before them. I believe that. That's why the enemy is trying to destroy a generation in our nation. I pray all the time over my children. I pray, this is why I pray for my children. I say, Father, let them be used more than every generation before them in our family and less than every generation after them. And I pray that for this coming generation. The enemy is, he's trying to destroy a generation. God's going to use this generation. Every time he tried to destroy a generation, God raised someone up out of that generation and it changed the world. And he's going to do it again. And in the meantime, what do we do? We speak truth and love and put change in our pocket and we speak hard truths in love. I know this is like not your normal message. I hope it's practical. It's heavy. Don't worry, it's going to get heavier in 1 Corinthians. I'm joking. It's a good book. I can't wait to walk through this book because I think God's going to open our eyes. I think he's going to challenge us. My goal is that we get challenged through this book to walk out our faith so, um, so confidently before this world. Like, wow, God does care for his church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. So this is how, this is how I want to end. I, I, I just... I really don't want any music right now. I might change my mind. But I just want to I just want to take a moment and this is a practical step. It's a practical prayer. It's Father, who would you have me speak easy truths to? Who do I need to, to, maybe you have people in your life that need hard truths, but there's nothing in the bank. And so maybe we need to pray, Lord, give me wisdom of how to put change in my pocket with this relationship. 
it might not just be speaking life. It might be showing up and giving them food or buying groceries. I don't know. It might just be being there for them. But putting change in your pocket. So let's just take a moment and pray that. I can't pray that for you. But it's so simple. Lord, give me wisdom of who I need to build change with and who do I need to speak hard truths to. And, and he'll lead you. Second thing, I think, actually I know I need to address is, if you're here today, we spoke some identity things over you. It's God who gives you identity, and maybe your identity isn't in Jesus yet. You've never placed your faith in Jesus. You've, you, you've never asked him to come into your life and be Lord and forgive you of your sins if you're here today and you've never done that, the Bible is clear that you're not born again and the reality of, of life after death for you is hell because you will exist forever. But God doesn't want that for you. The truth is God loves you and he wants a relationship with you and it's so simple. It's as simple as Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin in my place. Jesus, I believe that you rose again to set me free from sin and death and hell. Forgive me and come be Lord of my life. If, if you want a relationship with Jesus, I want to introduce you to Jesus. I don't want us to walk away from today without this opportunity. It's so simple. And you don't have to do it at an altar I will, I will just come talk to me after service. I will introduce you. I will stop what I'm doing because it's not about the location that you do it. It's the condition of your heart that you do it in. If you, if you confess with your mouth, the Bible says, confess that Jesus is Lord, and you believe that in your heart, the Bible says, then you are saved. And it, it never said, go to an altar and do it. But if you're here today and you need that, I'm going to tell you, come talk with me. There's faith involved. You're going to step out. But here's the thing. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus wants us to publicly acknowledge this. Like, well, it's awkward. I know. It was awkward for Jesus to carry the cross. We make it so simple for people to get saved, and we almost make every head bowed, every eye closed. And we don't want anyone to know. And I don't, I don't know if that's right. But I do know what is right is stepping out and saying, Lord, I need you. I need you. And so if you're here today and you need that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. And I know this is weird. But I'm going to dismiss people, but I'm going to be right here. And I want to pray with you. I want to introduce you to Jesus. All right? Father, I thank you for your church. I thank you because you are good. I thank you because you love us enough to correct us in a loving way. I thank you, Lord, that you discipline those you love. I thank you, Lord, that... You, that, that you place C1 on earth, that you place this church here in this community to love this community. You placed us here to stand on your truth and to lead people to know you. I thank you for this church. 
I thank you for this body of believers that are on fire for you. Now, Lord, I pray blessing over them. I pray right now that you bless them and keep them. Make your face shine on them and be gracious to them. Turn your countenance towards them and may they have peace. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you go before them this week. I pray that you will empower them through your Holy Spirit to to build change in their pocket, to speak truth and love, and to walk confidently knowing that you are with them and that you are for them and that you go before them. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you need, if you you would like prayer, I'm going to be right up here. I'm not moving anywhere. Awesome. I love you guys. See you. Hey guys, we hope that you enjoyed today's service. If God spoke to you in any way or you would like prayer, you can comment below or connect with us on our website at c1.church. If you have never accepted Jesus into your life, we would love to do that. All you need to do is believe that He is the Son of God, that He rose and died again, and ask Him to forgive your sins. If you have done that, please make sure to let us know. We would love to celebrate you. And if you are not in the area, get you connected to a church that would grow you in the relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. And we look forward to seeing you next week.